Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. ES Audio. From the Evening Standard in London, I'm Mark Blunden and this is The Leader. Ten percent or about four grand. That's what many British workers are expecting for a pay rise in 2023. If you think that's a fat stack of cash, nurses are calling for nearly double that amount as the cost of living crisis bites and everyone's battling a recession forecast to last until 2024. So the union's being realistic with their demands. Asking for a 19% pay rise is not affordable given the many other economic pressures that we face. That's Health Secretary Steve Barclay. This comes after the Unite Union said thousands of workers at Rolls-Royce secured what they call the biggest pay deal in company history. But how much? 10% plus a nice little 2k bonus. But if you're feeling hard done by this Christmas, spare a festive thought for those struggling bankers who could soon receive unlimited bonuses. After the Bank of England announced plans for a consultation on scrapping their bonus cap, to discuss how wages are looking into 2023 and the best strategy for asking for a rise, particularly if you're a younger worker. We're joined by Dr Grace Lorden, a Labour economist at the London School of Economics. Grace, how is the health of Britain's wages looking, particularly for younger workers? So I think particularly for young people, it's actually really hard. So the average figures, when the ONS talks about kind of wage growth, they focus on about 6%, which is for the average worker, and then about 3%, less than 3% for public service workers. But within that, the people who have the lowest bargaining power are the younger people and the people who have the lowest level of legacy wages, like, for example, in financial and professional services, when, you know, 20 years ago, wages were relatively much higher on average as as compared to today. So I think for younger people who are coming into new careers, they have this kind of double whammy where their bargaining power is genuinely lower because it's hard to differentiate yourself from someone else when you're still um, when you're still learning. But I think second to that, there's kind of this fear of a looming recession and they want to retain their jobs. So absolutely, if we think about younger people, whether they're in private or public sector, their wages tend to be far, far lower as compared to somebody who was joining a decade ago, for example, or as compared to somebody who's five years ahead of them. The gap isn't explained by the tenure, but also lots of young people are opting for less secure roles now whether it's opting or whether it's a constrained choice in the gig economy. And again, there we're seeing wages falling at a much more rapid rate than the average figures would suggest. What are some of the pay bargaining victories lately? There are people succeeding as individuals and also at the company level, and Rolls-Royce is one of these, of getting pay rises that actually match inflation. 
And I think this is highly problematic. You know, for the longest time, we've had this kind of hollowing out, if you like, of the occupation and wage distribution, meaning that you have people on high income and people on low income and very, very few in between. And everything that's happening now is actually playing into that dynamic. So what you're basically seeing when you see people struggling to get more pay as an individual or as a collective, as we're seeing through the strikes, are people really trying to get themselves to a place where they're not in a low income job and fundamentally in a job that doesn't allow them to live at a level that every person will want to live. So, you know, paying rent, putting food on the table, paying bills, not having to make ends meet. So I think the pay bargaining is going to continue in private companies at the individual level, in the public sector, um, at the collective level. And what people should be aiming for is actually around 10% at this point, given where the inflationary figures are. What do you make of workers at Rolls-Royce securing such a healthy rise compared to the nurses? It's harder for Rolls-Royce to say no because they're a company with shareholders with an image to protect. So I think it's always going to be easier for a union to deal with a public limited company who are beholden to shareholders. They'll see their bottom line and they can essentially then weigh up what it would cost them to lose specialised workers at a time point in history when competition in the car industry is actually so fierce. If you compare that to the nursing strike, nurses are striking as a collective. So it's not the case, for example, as it would be if I work for Rolls-Royce, that I can say, actually, I'm now going to work for Land Rover or Tesla and take my skills with me. If I'm bargaining as a collective, there's very few places actually to go. So it gives you strength in numbers, but there's very few places to go. So it is always going to be easier for unions to get a yes and a no from publicly limited companies who have shareholders and who have customers. And, you know, you can imagine as well the loss of image if production stalled for Rolls-Royce could cause both shareholders to walk away and customers to walk away, whereas that direct line isn't there in the NHS. So again, um, you know, I'm not surprised that when you have a strength of a union in a private company, they tend to be much more effective. But I do think that the nurses will get a pay rise. I think the question is where it will actually land. And my fingers are crossed that it's going to be at least 10%, if not more, given what they're asking for. Let's go to the ads. Coming up, key info for getting that raise, especially if you've got a boss with an inflated ego. Why not hit rate and follow in the meantime? One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Now, Grace, what do you make of the Bank of England's plans to consult on scrapping the bonus cap? You know, for me, a banker getting a bigger bonus is not necessarily a problem, provided it's actually linked to innovation and ethical productivity. And, you know, in the past, this wasn't the case. So you could take, for example, you know, the global financial crisis, effectively betting on subprime mortgages, 
which was dressed up at the time as genuine financial productivity caused huge problems for the economy and it wasn't productivity at all. I think if we have true productivity, where we're actually creating more innovative services and more innovative products, I'm actually fine with higher bonuses. But I think the bonuses should fall outside taxable profits for the company and the government should do their job properly and effectively tax these big corporations profit so they shouldn't be deductible from from profits which which they are today and i think if we did if we had that model i would only be giving people bonuses if they were really being used to retain people who were incentivized to grow the pie rather than just shift money around which isn't which isn't productivity at all and i think what's really missing is we do need the government then to step in and start doing the job that they're meant to do and collect taxes from companies on profits profits and redistribute this to society so that we have have fewer uh, people who are on wages that give them suboptimal living standards. And that part we're really not doing. And and I worry a bit about the bankers bonus conversations because it's probably going to distract Andrew Bailey at a time when he should be focused on other things. But the big issue for the UK is not even so much the corporation tax rate. It's also collecting on the profits the companies have, which we haven't been doing effectively for a while. So the government need to do kind of better job of reimagining what the economy should actually look like in a good state of the world and capture taxes, rent and the rents from productivity, which we're not doing effectively at the moment to make that happen. After all those sackings at Meta and Amazon in the US, what are the wider risks for unemployment here in the UK? At the moment, companies' profits aren't really, large companies' profits aren't really suffering, to be brutally honest about it. And if you look at the prices that they're charging, they tend to be over the odds as compared to what inflation would allow. So I guess so long as they can actually charge something that matches inflation and or charge more to make up for some lost consumer base, we mightn't be in as much trouble as you might think. I think when we look at Twitter and Meta, they're quite special because you have two founder-led CEOs who have decided what they want to do is to kind of fight what they call the bloat from jobs in their companies that don't add value. And I think even though the, the mechanism which which they've gone around doing it, I think is fundamentally wrong. I think part of the problem that we have in the UK is that we've decoupled productivity from wages, basically. So what they're trying to do, and I don't know whether they'll succeed or fail, is really try to say, look, there's lots of jobs that have bloated in Twitter or Meta. We're having a hard time at the moment, so we want to get rid of the the jobs that are a bloat. I don't expect that to be recreated in lots of other sectors where you have non-founder-led companies. So I'm not as worried about the level of redundancies we've seen from Meta and Amazon. I guess if the recession does become severe, we will see we will see layoffs because that's the easiest way for companies to actually cut their costs. We might also see in the next 12 months, which will be a problem for unemployment figures, people who are over the age of 50 come back into the labour force. So there's been a lot, I think it's about 500,000 more people who are between 50 plus, basically, who've become economically inactive compared to pre-COVID period. So I would visualise unemployment rates increasing because we have more people in the labour market coupled with some redundancies, but not the level at which we've seen in Amazon um, and Meta. And I also think our biggest risk for mass layoffs aren't actually the big tech that are left to make announcements like Apple and the other fan companies, but are the companies that are at risk of creative destruction and being being overtaken by these superstar stores. And we've seen some of this recently. So Made.com, for example, is another company that's had a large number of redundancies has been basically swallowed by some would say creative destruction some would say liquidity constraints but nonetheless we've lost them in the economy and i think that's what we'll see next year what are your negotiating tips for younger people seeking a raise i think it really depends where you are in a company at the moment i think if, if you're in public service and collective bargaining is going on you should basically support your union 
and join the strikes as well as trying to get a, you know a, a, an appraisal in the way that I'm going to talk about next but I think it's really important that the collective are out for public service otherwise you're, you're not going to you're not going to see the change that you want I think as an individual really kind of the spirit of the conversation at the macro level should also come down to the individual what value are you actually adding for your company at this particular moment in time and really make that clear in a narrative to your boss really focus on one to three things that you're doing not every single thing that you did in the past year it's really really important to do that because if you give too much information it tends not to be read and absorbed by bosses so you're going to be much more successful if you focus on one to one to three key pieces of information and also focusing in the 12 months ahead and you know kind of successful tips for that is really thinking about what are the new ways in which you're going to add value and regardless of whether your boss is high ego or not but particularly if they're high ego how are you complementing their skills to make their life easier? Because, you know, most people who are running teams now are under extraordinary stress, particularly if they're in a sector that has been asked to cost cut, even if they're still profitable. Like lots of the supermarket chains, for example, have been asked to cost cut, even though profits are still are still extraordinarily high. So if you've been asked to do that, what you're thinking of immediately is, who do I give less to as compared to ne- uh, next year? And the people who you're likely to give more to are those who actually give make make your life easier. So I think the two pieces of advice, one very ethical, focusing on productivity, one potentially less ethical is um, appeal to your boss's ego. And in particular, what can you do for them to make their life easier in the next year? And the third piece of advice, which is always told out, and it is a good one, is to really focus on um, what is the average increase that's actually happening in your company at the moment and making sure that you're getting taken along with that wave. And I think that's a particularly good thing to do for younger people who mightn't feel that they have bargaining power yet. Do speak up if you see yourself falling under the average and ask at least to be the same as your average colleague, if not for a little bit more. There's more on this story in the Evening Standard newspaper and online at standard.co.uk. That's The Leader. We're back on Tuesday at 4pm. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.